NFR Extra is a weekly podcast that focuses on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons that embody the rodeo and Western lifestyle. And now here are your hosts, Nevada Caldwell and Rockin' Robbie Hodges. All right, NFR Extra, episode 45. Well, keep rolling through the quarantine. Uh, always got special guests, and we're not short on them this time, Robbie and Brylin. Uh, here we are, got, um, got that, yeah, seriously, and it's good hearing from everybody. It's good to know that, you know, well, just, you know, we're not alone, and just the stories just only help us all knowing that we're going through some weird stuff here. And first off, we start off with three time regular NFR qualifier, Brody Cress. Robbie, this was a yep. pretty good one down in your cool backyard, guy. right? You bet, the mullet man. And I'll tell you what, he is so cool. That was a great interview, and it was sure fun to hear him. He was more talking about, you know, wanting to be getting on right now and practicing. And, you know, when we were actually trying to find people for him, he was asking questions like, hey, man, you know, anywhere we can get on right now. And he was wanting to. You can tell these guys are craving it. And this NFR we're going to have this year is going to be spectacular. You know, it's it's going to be a shootout because of the money situation and some of the rodeos that have canceled. But people, they don't realize that there's, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 already been won this year by people. You know, you might see a few new guys in, but most of these guys, man, they're going to be going at it, and you're going to see some of the best rodeo. And I think that attributes to, like with Brody, wanting to do this, you know, while we're down right now. He's wanting to get on horses, and um, it's a really good interview. You're going to get to hear about, you know, his influences, the people that helped him. I, I can't wait. Yeah, no, that's great. And then, obviously, we're, we're talking about bucking horses here, and uh, Brylon, we get to talk to Lacey Demers from the Junior Roughstock World Finals. And mind you, this happened before the quarantine, so the conversation a little different, but, you know, hey, Brylon, you, you're pretty tight with her, and kind of what, what went on with this conversation? Yeah, Lacey is so great to work with. You know, she's one of our Junior World Finals producers. She brings so many kids. I want to say it's almost 200 of them to Vegas during the National Finals Rodeo there at the Cowboy Christmas. And it's absolutely amazing allowing our younger kids to start a mini Bronx, you know, then go to grow full horses. You know, teaching our younger generation how to ride saddle bronc and bareback horses, it's so important to keep our generation going and Lacey definitely is strong in this field. It's a great listen. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, this is something I'm learning about the whole bucking horse world. Definitely, I guess, bareback, that there's not that many athletes. So, like, this is kind of like a, you know, helps nurture that that from the bottom up. And learned a lot with that. And her passion, man, is oh, pretty it deep. Is. Yeah, seriously. I, I didn't know that, much about so that. That's so true, Nevada. Mm-hmm. It is. There is such, we need a breeding program for kids now. I mean, for you know, we, we've got the horse breeding program going now. We've got the baddest horses we've ever had in rodeo. We need a bareback rider, bronc rider breeding program for the guys to get on. And, and this has been awesome. And, you know, and I love to see all the tough guys, you know, the guys we see at the NFR and stuff coming and helping these young kids because they know they're they're carrying on the sport too, you know. And, the, and you see it even during the NFR, you know, that week when we're at the finals out there. They, these guys are helping, helping, and they'll be there holding – you know, and helping these young kids get on, that's got to be such an inspiration to the young guys. Oh, absolutely. Well, hey, take a listen, and uh, up next, Rodeo News of the Week with Brylon Bentley.
This is Brightlands Bull, the Rodeo News of the Week. PRCA Stat of the Week, 316, the number of people, 256, animals, 32, and rodeo committees, 28, that will have been inducted in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame when the 2020 class is enshrined August 1st in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame opened in 1979. 2020 inductees are Graded Coconut, Bareback Horse, Cody Ole, Tight End Roper, and All-Around Champion, Butch Kirby, Bull Rider, Jim Sutton Jr., Stock Contractor, Sunny Deb Backstrom, Contract Personnel, Randy Whitty, Notable, Ellensburg Rodeo, Committee, Martha Josie, Barrel Racer. Rodeo is about discipline, sacrifice, and perseverance. Every one of us doing their best to strive for excellence. Rodeo makes us resilient. It's our engine. And you've played a big part in that. You've empowered us, supported us, and allowed us to dream. In these incredible times, we are also reminded of the power of our communities. Looking out for one another and caring for those in need. Brighter days are ahead and we look forward to spending our time with you. In the meantime, we'll spend our time hashtag alone together. And when the time comes, we'll be ready. And once again, we'll celebrate all the things that make us a community. We, we are, are radio. Hi, I'm world champion Jacob Scrawley, and you're listening to NFR Extra. Hey, Mr. Hodges. Uh, you know. Hey, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm used to like looking at your beautiful face right across from me here in the studio, but you know, this well, this virus has got I'm us separated right now. Looking at yours. This is awkward, but we're making it work, aren't we? Yeah, I'd probably rather look at my wife, but, uh, you know, hey, man, I know when I'm looking at you, we're we're having fun conversations with the rodeo industry. No doubt about it. You know what? We're going to make this work anyway. I am safely secluded at the Kickback Ranch in Montgomery, Alabama. Getting ready to go back this, yeah. this afternoon for a little while. Well, and um, and while you're safely secluded in Las Vegas, yep. and Brody is yes. in Wyoming, I'm assuming. Yeah, we got a three-time NFR uh, qualifier, Brody Cress. That's right. Yes, guys, I'm actually down in Texas at my house here in Texas, so just oh. hanging out down here, trying to stay stay safe and away from as many people as I can. Yeah, I know you are. <clears throat> so a trying month we're having here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what we're going to try to do, Brody, is we're going to bring the good side of everything about this whole deal. We're going to talk about the beginning of your year and you yep. know, and, and how it was, where you were when you got the brakes put on. So uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about it. What's what's your winter been? Uh, you know, it's it's been pretty dang good. I've been able to be pretty consistent and continue to pull checks and you know bring that momentum out of the NFR into the the winter run where I've been able to tie with Rusty for the, the win in Denver, and he got the buckle due to the tiebreaker, but I was happy with the money. I wasn't too worried about that at all. And then yeah. was fortunate enough to, to make it through the wild card in the new setup that they had at San Antonio and 
get the win there and then um just kind of been rolling after that and now that we're kind of shut yeah. down we've been we've been entering every rodeo we can we've even entered amateur rodeos and everything's kind of getting shut down but isaac and i talked yesterday and we're going to enter every rodeo in the books and i guess if any of them stay open we'll get to go to them and if they don't then we'll just stay home but we're doing the best we can to to continue to get to rodeo and do stuff but i mean they've canceled all our college rodeos other than carlton's figuring out if they're canceling theirs and so everything's mm-hmm. kind of just getting shut down right now so we'll see how long it lasts and hopefully we can get things rolling again here eventually yeah, let me let me add this real quick, Robbie. So yeah. So think about this. So Brody, I'm just kind of looking at kind of, you know, the, anybody can go get stats out there and find out about somebody. Uh, yeah. The sweet part about over there at PRCA on their website, they kind of lay out probably the past few years in your highlights. And this is what's interesting. Though, when I want to look at you, Brody, and kind of we'll kind of lead this into a question. But as I look at your 2019 highlights, I see the word one. Oh, I don't know. Looks like about 13 times. Oh. Right. Uh, one Cheyenne, one Sykeson, one Sheriff's PRCA Rodeo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then he goes into the NFR, uh, world standings, place second. Um, and then your overall Ringler NFR standings, you're your first, right? But then your earnings during that time was 180000 I mean, first of all, we've talked to a few other contestants back in January. $180,000 is what you pulled through there. And here you are, uh, you know, the guys at RFT TV, Cowboy Channel, they were talking you up, man. They were like, this guy's ready. He came out blazing, and here he is getting ready to roll. And, man, you get, you run into this wall of a virus, right? What are you – so what – knowing that this is this is what it is, right? I mean, you're along with – LeBron James is at home right now, right? And and all the best hockey players in the world are at home. Um, what is What are you going to do besides entering these things? What are you going to do physically – and mentally to keep yourself up afloat. So when it hits, you're kind of hitting that, that treadmill running full speed. Yeah. You know, I, I think the most important thing for us right now is just keeping in our mindset that rodeos are going to continue eventually. So we can't be taking time off from working out and, and trying to practice if we can, hopefully, and, and riding the spur board and just staying active. You know I mean? We don't want to be sitting around or anything like that, even though we have to stay at home, just try and do our best to stay busy and everything. So if you sit around and, and get lazy even for a, a week or two, it's going to be hard to come back. So we're just trying to find places right now where maybe even if we can't be going to rodeos, hopefully you still be getting on some bucking horses here and there and, and continuing to work out. And I'm blessed enough to be able to have a, a gym right at the house where I don't have to worry about gyms getting closed down and stuff like that. So just really taking advantage of that time to, to continue getting stronger and just you know, focusing. I mean, it's, I guess you look at it as, yeah, we don't get to go to rodeos right now, but we can take time to really be at home and, and take the steps to focus on the little things that we don't get to when we're busy rodeoing, you know, like riding the spur board and getting the workout. I mean, we can get on a really good workout routine right now that we wouldn't be able to if we're have to worry about our bodies needing to be ready to get on bucking horses every week. I mean, we can hit the gym really hard right now and, and kind of just jump ahead there so that when we do get to get back to to rodeoing and competing that we're prepared for that and we're not taking two weeks once the season starts again to get back to ride at the level we were before they postponed everything. Yeah, I mean, right. That, that wow. makes you sore being off that long, doesn't it? And then you go right back. So we're off a month and a half. Here's what, you know, that's the average of what people are thinking. May 1st is, is what we're hoping for. You, if you don't stay in that shape, I know if I don't work a rodeo, say from the NFR up to January, I'm off my pace a good bit. I can't imagine what that's like with you guys, you know, from going, going, going to a 
complete Jake break here, for lack of a better term. Yeah. It makes oh, yeah. you sore, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes you sore and just your mindset and everything. You just get out of the rodeo mode where it takes time to get back into that. It's like having an injury for a month and a half. You're not getting on bucking horses and doing stuff. I mean, you're going get to rust, get rusty and get to being in a different mindset and stuff where it's going to take time to get back to it. I mean, that's, I think that's the biggest thing for us right now is just trying to stay positive, trying to play along and do everything we can so that stuff can come back as quick as it can, but then be prepared when it does, too. Well, if you look at last yeah, year, Casey Field, you know, we had him on the show. It's probably like our third episode. And it was probably one of our more powerful ones in, in the beginning of getting this podcast going. <clears throat> but anyways, it's right after his injury at, um, at uh, Austin. And... You know, he was done basically all the way until late June, July, I think it was. So, like, he already lived this model, right? Like, he was done uh, at mid-March. But what was interesting is when, you know, I remember us interviewing him and and catching up to him at rodeos and whatnot and where he was. He's like, I think this is going to happen across the board for the rodeo because this is obviously this was just Casey last year. But the thing that he kept talking about was just the hunger, man. You know, you guys, like, there's also a reason why you do this is because it's like it's your passion. So to take someone's passion away just like that all together, like all of your, all of your, um, let's just call it all of your peers that you compete against. And even the ones that you see at rodeos that you don't compete against, think about like just what you're going to have to deal with in a good way, rodeo on the, on the other end of this with the, um, the competition and where everyone's going to be. I mean, you're going to have America behind you, you know, like it's, that's a, I don't know. I, yeah. It's like a crazy feel. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, and that's a big part of it is just trying to, all of us are getting affected by this right now, not just the competitors, but the rodeo committees, the stock contractors. Yeah. I mean, everybody that helps put on the rodeo and do everything. So we got to just try to stay positive and, and stay together. You know I mean? There's one mindset where you can be negative and be mad about all this and sit at home and sulk or, I mean, try and stay positive and, and continue to do stuff. So when stuff comes back around, you're ready for it to, to go again. You know I mean? So it's, it's kind of hard, but it's, it's allowing people to be able to stay home with their families more. And I know like my traveling partner, Isaac Diaz has a little girl that mm. he would probably have to miss a lot of stuff. Like maybe her walking for the first time and doing stuff like that, but right. focusing on stuff like that, the, the positive side of things, just to kind of help get through this. Cause it's not going to help to be negative and, and worry about that stuff. So we just need to try and stay positive while we can. Well, let's, let's go back to positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. Let's go back to positive. Let's go back to 2019 NFR. What? I mean, you, (laughs) you did pretty well. Yeah. Where were you, where was your mindset that night one and what you, you know, what you were, you'd been there before, but did it feel different last year? Because the way you performed was like, almost like you, you figured something out. Yeah, you know, it, it was definitely different because, I mean, I had a great year in 2017 when I won the average for the first time and then come back in 2018 when I was fighting my ankle injury that I was out for. Um, that that really was hard at the NFL where I didn't have any success at all. So I was just really excited last year to get back there and be healthy again and competing at a high level and, and be out there and be prepared again, actually, you know. So I was just trying to take it one horse at a time and focus on stuff and and just doing my job, but I was really excited to, to be able to be back out there healthy. And, that I mean, that made it really fun. You know, we have a great group of guys that, that goes every year in the Bronco, and we get along great, and it's awesome to be <laughs> with those guys for 10 nights on the best horses in the world, you know. So it's just it was awesome to be able to be positive out there and get the ball rolling. I think that's really a, 
a big thing out there is if you can really get the 10 days kicked off in a positive way and, and have some luck that first night, that really carries momentum on. You know, I mean, if you get it started bad where you're getting bucked off or, or not doing your job that first night, then you're going to have an even bigger battle on your hands to get back on the positive side of things and the right side of things so you can win some money out there. So it's just kind of taking it one horse at a time and, and doing my job and, and keep myself prepared, you know, through having to do all the autograph signings and stuff like that. I mean, you got to be able to give yourself time to still work out, get to the arena in time to get yourself prepared every night to compete. So, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff like that, a lot of juggling things mentally and stuff like that. And it's, I mean, it's a big part of it, but if you can kind of get the ball rolling right at the start of the week, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, That's I mean, funny that you say that because people, you know, even with all this stuff going on and stuff, when I said, you know, I got on there the other day and said, hey, I'm going to be home with my family and get a job. Oh, you're finally going to get a job. People don't realize what a toll this traveling life and this whole deal does to people, even in my world, you know, and, and where you're going to six rodeos a weekend, I'm at one. However, the and, and, and you said something a minute ago that, that kind of hit it. Um, with Ike Diaz, um, people don't realize what we miss and, and the things that we take, that other people take for granted in this, you know, with watching his baby walk or, or anything like that. I've missed so many birthdays. I've missed so many everything, you know, and, and you have too, Brody. I mean, your parents and, you know, and, and you know, your girls, and, and they don't understand sometimes the hardships. And it's not all just uh, pool parties out here. You know, it's, it's a hard flipping life. And when you get a break or something like this, tell us, you know, I mean, explain, I guess, to the people that don't get it, the, the what it's like to actually be sitting at home. No, it's not great, but just a few days off, you know, I mean, and, and how that, that helps, doesn't it? Yeah, and like, like you said, I mean, people really don't understand the business side of things of what we do. Yeah, we're... We're getting to do what we love for a living, but there's still a lot behind it with the amount of traveling, just everything that goes into it they don't understand. So, But, yeah, getting a few days home, I mean, that's, that's outstanding, you know, because once we really hit the start of the summer run, which hopefully we will be even with this going on, I mean, we're gone completely. So this time right now allows you to, I mean, if you got any projects going on around your house or any guys that have injuries that they're trying to get healed up or, I mean, anything like that, this kind of allows stuff to slow down a little bit where we can worry about that stuff. But, I mean, I think it would be good to focus on that stuff just to keep our minds off the fact that all the rodeos are either getting postponed or canceled right now and just making the most of it instead of being negative about it and, and you know, sitting at home sulking because that's not going to help it go by any faster than it is. No, I, not at all. I, I agree. <clears throat> are you in Are you in Stephenville? Is that where your place is, or where Where are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I am in Morgan Mills, so it's about – Oh, yeah. 12 miles outside of Stephenville, but my address is in Stephenville. So, yeah, just right there. Right, right by, the, by the pizza sandwich shop in Tough Hedeman. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I'm not, I'm not too far from Tough at all. They're right there. Right. Sure right. is nice. Hey, they, they haven't closed our pizza sandwich shop yet over there at the store, has it? The only store in Morganville. I don't think. I think it's, it's still open. Stuff's slowly starting to fall off where I I guess I heard the other day that they closed Taco Bell and seemed or at least everything about the drive-thru. So we're slowly starting to, to oh, lose man. stuff. Maybe some of the little stuff okay. will stay open. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the barometer of this, 
this entire thing is going to be when Hard Eight shuts down. Yeah, <laughs> that's no joke. Yeah, when you can't get any Hard Eight, that's going to be a bad deal. The whole county. Oh boy, that, that's when the world will flip over. So you were talking about earlier about getting on and stuff. I mean, other than this, um, you know, I mean, the what they call it social. What was the word? Social distancing. Separation. <laughs> yeah. Are you been able to? Is the college giving you some horses? Do you have some horses to get on at home, or I mean, are you using the college ones? How's that working? Uh, we're we're trying to figure that out right now. Actually, I've been our coach has been texting us and giving us updates on everything because our school is still trying to figure stuff out. Like I know we're going to online classes for at least a little while, maybe the rest of the semester, and now they're trying to figure out everything like with extra clicker stuff like being able to practice at the college and everything. So we're not sure on that yet, but I'm sure they're going to shut it down for a little while since everything else is. So hopefully we can find some people to, to allow us to buck horses or find an arena where we can. Cause I know like where if we can't use our college arena, we usually go to the Lone Star and they've canceled all their activities and everything where their, their arena yep. shut down too, I believe. So I don't know if we're going to be able to, but, Maybe if we can just kind of stay in contact with some people, might be able to find some stock contractors or guys who would allow us to get on stuff. But hopefully we'll be able to not have to go too long, at least, without getting on bucking horses. Right. Well, here's some good news. Um, I work um, quite a few rodeos for Danny Reagan, you know, and uh, he's, he's wanting to buck some horses. So if any of you guys in that area want to get over there, he told us the other day that he has a, a truckload of of Bronx that need to be bucked during this time because just like, just like you guys, you know, I mean, he wants these horses bucked and, and, you know, and, and never give them a break or, you know what I'm saying? And, and he has some, so you might get a hold of him and, uh, you know, and, and maybe you, y'all, you guys will have a good place to get on over there. You know, he's got some real nice colts and he's got some good old campaigners. And he, he told me the other day that since all this is happening, that he'd, he'd sure reach out to you guys. So maybe that'll help mm-hmm. you. Maybe he'll bring them over there. And, um, yeah, you know, you that's awesome that there's, yeah, that's awesome. There's thought contractors that are doing that and trying to get some stuff organized to allow us to get on bucking horses. Danny Reagan's an awesome guy and has some good horses. So we would, I think I did see a post out on Facebook where he had that posted. So maybe we yeah. can come up with something soon enough and do, I don't know, maybe some open jackpots or something, or at least be able to get on track of horses. But it's going to take stuff like that just to, like you said, keep the horses going, keep us going, and just get us ready for when the season gets back to rolling. You know what's cool about technology yeah. is we could all watch that, right? I mean, you could have a group, I'm just making it up, like Flow Rodeo, somebody go down there, lock a camera down, and just keep everybody included, oh right? Gosh, yeah. I mean, it's just those are the things that we're going to see, I think, over the next few weeks that creativity yeah, will kick in. I think that's yeah. Did you see the? Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. That's... Go ahead, Robbie. Go ahead. No, that's all right. I, I was making a comment. I watched Keith Urban yesterday. He put on an entire concert for everybody. There you go. Just him. Yeah. You know, and and y'all could do the same to keep people's interest in rodeo. I think that's a great idea, Nevada. You. Yeah. You're a genius. It, it, it just let my boss <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, I think this is. This could be a time where you could, I mean, really push the getting rodeo out on tv more and everything with nothing yeah. going right now you know and i know that we talked to the the guys of the cowboy channel when we were at the american and they were saying if anybody can come up with ideas for shows or or anything to do i mean this would be a time frame where we could do some stuff like that you know and keep keep 
the rodeo world entertained with something, even if it's not rodeos, just yep. shows or anything that guys can do right now just to kind of keep pushing out and helping the Cowboy Channel grow and, and reach a bigger fan base, you know, and just try and keep stuff on the positive side as much as we can. Yeah, we're right with you, man. I mean, we've worked uh, hand-in-hand with the guys at Cowboy Channel, and, you know, that group is awesome, and they're they're all in. They're doing whatever they can to be a part of rodeo, be rodeo, and help rodeo, and then and then bring it, you know, to a whole other level. I mean, yeah. the thing, we're going to see a lot of thinking and creativity. I, I, I'm never, I know me personally, I always think about the human spirit and how it overcomes, you know, and just there's human history to prove it. Uh, and clearly from Americans stepping up and doing their part. But, you know, let, let's just go back to your, you know, you were somewhat of a stud in high school, uh, Brody. I couldn't help but notice that it looks like you grabbed a few state championships, wrestling and rodeo. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it was I was very fortunate to have some amazing parents who put me in wrestling when I was little and have great coaches all the way through that that allowed me to be able to compete at that level, you know. I mean, I I miss wrestling a bunch, but it's it's taught me so much that I can carry on through life, not just for rodeo, but just life in general. And that was a big part of the the reason why my parents put me into wrestling and and I'm very happy that they did, you know, with the amount of stuff that I learned not only from wrestling, but the amazing coaches that I had the entire time through. So that was, that was awesome. And they, they did a great job really taking care of my brother and I, when we were, we were rodeoing and starting riding bucking horses. I mean, I think I started when I was a freshman in high school, but didn't get to go to a rodeo until I was a junior. Actually, they wanted to make sure that I was prepared and we were fortunate enough to have a great pin practice horses where we could be getting on plenty throughout the week and stuff at home. And, and just in a, a little bit more of a controlled environment to, to help us be able to get the right type of start that, that has allowed me to get to the point where I'm at today, you know. So it was it was awesome to be able to have those experiences through high school and, and everything and moving on to college, you know, to the amazing team that I get to compete for now under great coaches at a school that understands rodeo. You know, my teachers are awesome working with me and allowing me to oh, be, yeah. be gone for pro rodeos or college rodeos and our coach working with us too where we can compete at pro rodeos while we're competing at college rodeo too, you know. So it's just – those experiences and those amazing people that I've had throughout my life that have allowed me to have that success all the way through my life leading up till now and hopefully further into the future as well. Well, you, I mean, as a wrestling champion, have you used that? I mean, you were wrestling and a rodeo champion coming out of high school, but, but, but regardless, it, it, were you able to utilize, you know, we've interviewed quite a few people on this show and, or on the podcast and uh, guys like Billy Epauer, um, Oh man, who is there was a couple of the cats, uh Clint Johnson, uh I believe Gorsh oh, as well. Wrestled. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um and that what you know what wrestling meant to them, you know, and more of the discipline side and kind of this self um self discipline that you have to have in wrestling that kind of transfers over to rodeo. I mean, have you used a lot of the the let's just say it the mindset of a wrestler to be in rodeo? Oh, definitely, you know. Really even more than the physical side of wrestling out with rodeo, like you said, the mindset, you know, just the, the attitude you have going into competition and, and with the ups and downs that we experienced through rodeo, I mean, that ties into wrestling as well with cutting weight and having to worry about doing school at the same time you're trying to do all that. I mean, it it's definitely helped me with rodeo to be able to get through, I mean, going from having like a great year in 2017 to starting a great year in 2018 and breaking my ankle and having the finals I did not being able to, to – know what I need to do to come back from that to be successful like I was in 2019 you know I mean there's so much behind what 
what I learned in wrestling and, and how to fight through things and, and stay positive and stay hungry that has helped me throughout rodeo as well. Well, I mean, that look, cool. yeah, but, and Robbie, look at his, These guys are so positive. well, if you look at kind of his mindset and I get it, you know, you look at a t- typical, right. This is where you got a champion mindset. Uh, Brody is that, you know, typically guys or gals have a bad year. And if they don't have that mindset, the next year just doubles down on that. Right. Just they're, Oh man, you know, just they're all they're focused on is all the bad stuff. Whereas it was, I mean, just looking at kind of your turnaround from that, you know, injury to the ankle to where you were, you knew where you were. You just needed to get back on that, on you know, back to riding and competing and everything that you were believing. It looks like kind of definitely transpired in 2019. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think a big part of it was just going through the hardships. You know, I mean, I had to get on a lot of bucking horses. I mean, even after the finals through the winter uh, last year, it was rough. I just, I mean, I was entering every rodeo that I could get to just to, to get numbers again, you know, get on enough horses where I could kind of get back in the swing of things. And it, it took a while, but once stuff finally started clicking, I mean, it, it really turned around right away. I know like kind of the start of the summer, I wasn't even in the top 50 and then stuff finally started clicking again. And I was able to be drawing good horses and kind of get the ball rolling. I mean, it, it helped a bunch, but I mean, going through all those hard times and having stuff not going good, I wasn't looking at it ever as I wanted to quit or, didn't know what to do. I mean, it just made me more hungry and wanted me to where I wanted to get on more bucking horses and, and keep working hard to, to get back to where I was and, and even past that to get better than what I was. Yeah. So how were you thinking when you walked out of there, you know, uh, uh, round 10 that night, right? When other folks are going to grab their buckles and things like that. What were you thinking when you walked out of the Thomas Mack Center that night on day 10, 2019? Uh, you know, I mean, I was in just this last year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that last day. Knowing you were there, man, you were so close. You know, it, yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, and it's it's always. I mean, it kind of stuck out. It was really close to 2017 as well. But I wasn't. I mean, upset that I hadn't. Yeah, I was upset that I hadn't won the world title. But I was more thinking about the the situations where I could have done my job better than mm. I did. You know, it's it's outstanding to have the 2019. I didn't and win an average title again, you know, but there's situations where I definitely could have rode better and, and got myself to the point where I could have put myself in a better situation to win that world title. I was very happy that Zeke was able to win another one. I mean, he had an amazing 10 days as well out there, you know, so I kind of turned my focus. I was very thankful for the 10 days that I'd had and, and happy at that point, but I was ready to, to take maybe a few days off and then get back to work. You know, I once I got back to my parents' house for, for Christmas break and I got right back in the gym and, and got to doing stuff and kind of set up a plan and tried to figure out what I needed to do to fix stuff where the next year, you know, or this year that we're in now. And it, I mean, it kind of started good. We're going to Gillette and Denver and those, I mean, the first five horses I got on, I just some stuff in my saddle and kind of tried some different things. And I felt better five horses than I did on any of them. Wow. So I think that's just oh, good. That I'm driving my. Ooh. Lost you there for a second, bro. Can you hit pause? No, oh, he's good. He's good. And then, and then take that and uh, work on it, and just that keeps me hungry and keeps stuff going. So yeah, no, I hear you. I, amazing, man. Amazing 2019, and I just this kind of stinks that this thing's happening to you because you clearly were rolling into this, but you know, I mean. 
There's... I don't think it's going to bother kids like this. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I mean, they're so – you got your head on that. So how was it to win your that little small-town hometown rodeo you have, the Cheyenne Frontier Days? I mean, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? I mean, be the old hometown kid. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, that rodeo is out rodeo that I've been – ever since a little kid, I've been sneaking into to get behind the bus and shoot them be around those guys that I've idolized my whole life and that, you know, have kind of kept me hungry and allowed me to get to where I'm at now. And it's just, it's really a blessing to be able to have a hometown rodeo that's as big as that, where I can be able to compete in front of the people that, that I've grown up around and have helped me so much throughout my life to be able to get to that point and show them that, you know, the, the time that they've put into me is not going to waste and I'm trying to use it the best I can. So, I mean, not, not very many people get to have a hometown rodeo of that size and, it has that much history behind it, and I mean, it's been absolutely amazing to be able to win it three times. That is cool, though. That's the yeah. Everybody dreams about that winning their hometown rodeo, but not everybody gets to dream about winning that particular hometown. Yeah, right. Rodeo. <laughs> That's so the big daddy. You bet. You know, we were talking to earlier. We were talking to Trevor Rice about um, once we get going again, and I was telling him we will never complain about going to rodeos in May when we get going again, you know, that's what they're saying is May. It's going to be great. And I think everybody's going to have this new attitude. Everybody's going to be enjoying again, not looking at the bad stuff going on. And man, I can't wait to see you guys. I'm, I've never missed anybody worse than I do my buddies when this kind of stuff like going on, you know, what do you think? I mean, are you ready? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm definitely ready. And I do think this is good because it puts things into perspective for people, you know, where they're, complaining about rodeos or even if they're yeah. getting rodeo and it's going bad and they're complaining now they're not going to care if stuff's going good or bad as long as they're, they're going to be happy and, and be excited about it so i think that kind of helped maybe reset some people's mindsets and i think we're dang sure all going to be ready to go once it gets back to rolling yeah, no doubt i know about i'll that. be glad to kick this old patio i'll be glad to kick this patio yeah. down, get this cigarator <laughs> going again we all come hang out with it. there you go I'll yeah yeah that'll be fun don't you worry we're that'll having fun well, I, hey, listen, I know that uh, we got Brody Z. He's got a. I know you got some some stuff where you yeah. got to get going, man. And you know, just uh, thanks for taking some time joining the joining the podcast. You believe it. Um, you know, seriously, we we appreciate this a lot, Brody. I mean, this is uh, it's good for people, man. I mean, we're we're trying to fill the air with positive vibes and letting people listen and kind of you know keep them keep just we're gonna be there with people and, and these kind of conversations are gonna enhance the, the podcast and and what we can do going forward. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's outstanding. Thank you guys for having me, and thanks for letting me you know bet. if I can do anything else, or I would love to be able to come on again after this. So you yeah. guys, thank you for doing this stuff and, and putting the time into to producing this and having it for people, you know. So, it, But hopefully we can keep stuff moving in a positive direction and be ready to go when stuff starts rolling again. Yeah, we agree, man. You got that right, yeah. buddy. Thank you so much, and good luck at school, and uh, good luck trying to figure out that Skype and that computer stuff. It, you know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep, yeah. That's what we're going to have some young kids your age. Out. Well, you bet. We're going to have some kids your age learning about computers in the next two months. I promise you that. Oh yeah. School. Well, thank you, Brody. Uh, God yeah, bless, yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Take have care. a good day. All right, brother. Yeah. All right, bye. Bye. To celebrate the 35th anniversary of the National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas, LVE and PRCA present the Top 35 Most Memorable Moments. 
Saddle Bronc riding legend Clint Johnson won his first world championship in 1980, but it was after the NFR moved to Las Vegas in 1985 that Johnson became a dominant force. Johnson's gold buckle in 1987 came on the heels of a reserve world title in 1986. He'd led the pack riding into the finals that year, but lost out to bronc riding buddy Bud Monroe. He must have felt like he let one get away. Johnson was the number one bronc rider heading into the 1987 NFR as well, and he did not let up until he had secured his second world championship. It started a streak of three straight world titles. In his career, Johnson rode Bronx at a dozen consecutive NFRs from 1978 through 1989, and he won the NFR Saddle Bronc Riding Average Championship in his final appearance in Las Vegas. The South Dakota native was also a sports standout in football and wrestling in high school. The four-time world champion was inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in 1992. Hi, I'm Sean Davis, and you're listening to NFR Extra. This is NFR Extra 7 and 7, 7 questions in 7 minutes. And I have here six-time Wrangler NFR qualifier, Tilden Hooper. What's going on, Tilden? Oh, man, it's all good. Just uh, enjoying a little time at home right now. Nice. Well, thank you for taking your time and hanging out with Susan Cadeau. That's a blog we recently uh, released and talking about what you guys and a bunch of other contestants are doing while, uh, while in hiatus right now. Right. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, no worries. All right, man. I will start the timer, and we'll do seven questions in seven minutes. Here we go. All right, right, Tilden. Why did you decide to get? Why? Why did you start a career in rodeo? What What made you start that? Um. Really, long story short, just some friends of mine were interested in it and competing, and and, uh, I. I'd read a bunch of books about cowboys and stuff, and I, I didn't really grow up riding or anything. But uh, I saw some pictures of my dad. He had just he rode when he was in high school and kind of college age guy. And I watched Eight Seconds, Cowboy Way, Junior Bonner, a bunch of these rodeo cowboy type movies, and just kind of fell in love with the idea of becoming a rodeo cowboy. And uh, the bareback riding was kind of the, the greatest line to that point for me, and and, that's, and I I tried it once and fell in love and, and made my mind up this is what I want to do for a living. So nice. How that started. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, what was your first? Let's let's talk college. What was your first year in college, or what was your college career like? How did that go? Um, my, my first year in college uh, went went really good. Um, I uh, ended up second in my college region, and then went got to go to the college national finals for the first time, and ended up doing doing some good out there and, and made the short round and uh anyway got got all done made a really good ride in the short round and they announced that i'd won one second behind a, a, a really great bareback rider bud munns he was out of utah he was a senior that year i was a freshman and and i was really excited with my uh with my second place finish to be honest and uh by the time I could take all my stuff off, go get my phone, call my dad and tell him I'd one second, uh, someone, an official from the rodeo came and found me and told me that they'd announced the scores wrong and that I'd actually won first. So uh, <laughs> it just awesome. got to be even more exciting. And, uh, man, it was, it was cool. It, uh, it was really cool. And then the next year I, I came back and, um, ended up winning my region in college rodeo that year and went to college national finals and was, uh, planning on recreating the same, same scenario from the previous year and 
made a couple couple bad decisions, ended up having a little run in with the ball and kind of got kicked out of the college national finals and, and for good reason and learned learned some important lessons through the deal. And uh, anyway, so I didn't, oh, yeah. didn't recreate it again the next year, but uh, I learned, learned some important lessons that went on to, to help me in my professional career. And I ended up qualifying for the national finals that year. And, and yeah, well, Hey, well, real quick, what, what, uh, real quick though, tell me what, what, how was your first year in pro rodeo? How did, how did that end up? Um, uh, my first year in pro rodeo was, was great too. I, uh, I ended up winning the rookie of the year. I, uh, I was a rookie that year with Casey field and we didn't really know each other that well at the beginning of the year, but by the end of the year after trading one and two spots and, and kind of battling it out, we, we met, became friends. And then the next year we started traveling together and both, uh, both made our first national finals rodeo and, and the rest is history, I guess. That's awesome. Hey, so who inspires you the most or who inspires you? Man, I, I honestly, I, I, I would be hard to really pinpoint one, one person for that answer for sure. But, uh, as far as a rodeo cowboy, a lot of my inspiration came from Casey's dad, Louis Fields. I, uh, he was a five-time world champion, and uh, man, he just in and out of the arena was was a top-notch guy. And I, I got the chance to be around him quite a little bit whenever me and Casey first started traveling together. And, and a lot of the lessons I learned from him are the lessons that got me, you know, kind of over the hump and through and through a lot of different things. And uh, so I, I definitely looked up and respected Louis Field quite a bit. Wow, that's awesome! What's the best thing about competing in pro rodeo? Man, it's, uh, I tell people this all the time. It's just the best job I've ever had. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a family. You, you, you make friends that become more like family. You get to travel the world. You get to see all sorts of different places. And when we show up in a town, it's that town's celebration. So everybody's there having a good time. And there's a, there's a, you know, a, a group of people there, a committee putting on that rodeo and they do their, their very best to make things perfect for us and perfect for the fans. And, and you just meet a lot of people and make a lot of friendships along the way that, that you just, you could never replace those things. And, and to got to get in the van with my buddies at 18 and travel the country and see the world and ride bucking horses for a living and, and have a blast. I, uh, any, any, any kind of hard, hardship that goes along with the rodeo it, it's definitely worth it at the end of the day in my opinion that's awesome if you could give any advice to future rodeo contestants what would it be um i would say you know one thing that i think is really important especially in the bareback riding when you're when you're learning how and different things is it, it, it's a different path for everybody to the top don't don't just look at the way that that it happened for one guy and if things aren't going that exact way for you, don't count yourself out. You know, I, uh, I was a slow learner. It, it was my senior year in high school before I ever even qualified for the final round in our state finals and, and qualified for the national high school finals. But, but man, after that, it was like a switch flipped and, and things started happening really fast. And, you know, in, in this event, especially if you're willing to put in work and, and you're not scared to take some of the abuse that, uh, it is a hell of a way to make a living, and it, it's dang sure a possibility. And if it's what you want to do, just put your head down and give it everything you got. I mean, that's all it'll take is, is everything you got, but it's, it's definitely worth it. Well, with that being said, how important is rodeo? I think rodeo is super important, especially as a, as a guy that, that did grow up around it and just a kid that fell in love with the idea of becoming a rodeo cowboy. And I didn't come from a bad family or anything. My, my family's great, and they raised me right. And, and, and different things, but I just, my life took a totally different path once I decided to become a rodeo cowboy, and, and being a cowboy, I think, is a, is a, is, is something to aspire to in general, you know, cowboys don't, 
they don't whine, they don't complain whenever things get tough. You just put your head down and keep working, you know, and that's pretty, that's a pretty useful attitude to have, especially during times like these and, and the things rodeo teach you, teach you, or it's, it's invaluable. You can't put a price on that. So I think, I think the people associated with rodeo and, and just the fans and the, everyone in the industry, I think they're for the most part kind of salt of the earth type of folks. And I think, I mean, the cowboy spirit, that's what that's what settled the West. That's why we're here, you know, and I, I think it's, it'd be a good thing to lean in on right now for sure. Man, I'll tell you, we made it with 20 seconds to go, Tilden. That was fantastic. <laughs> hey, man, you, you did something good there. A lot of people can't get get what I have to say in, in, on seven minutes. That, that's usually a 14 or 20-minute conversation. <laughs> I, I guess we've been pretty good. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, you know, appreciate you coming on. This is – um this is good stuff, you know, hearing you, kind of hearing you're doing well. And, uh, you know, for, for folks who want to catch up with more, there it is right there. So the folks that want to catch up more with what Tilden's doing right now, check out NFRexperience.com, uh, our NFR insider, Rodeo Hiatus with Susan Canode. In 2020, more than 7,000 kids will compete for the coveted 750 spots at the Junior World Finals in Las Vegas, presented by Yeti. Each qualifier will go head-to-head for more than a half a million dollars in a championship buckle in the biggest rodeo youth event in the country. This could be the first stop on the road to a pro rodeo car in a gold buckle in Vegas. Find out how your son or daughter can earn the right to compete against the best at the Junior World Finals, presented by Yeti. Hi, I'm world champion Ryder Wright, and you're listening to NFR Extra. Well, Brylan, we are we're chugging along with uh, all Junior this World Junior Finals. World Final stuff, right? And you know, we've uh, been very lucky to talk a lot to our uh, a lot of our partners, I guess you will, that bring some of the best events for this this event. And here we are with another one, right? We're talking to uh, Lacey Demers from the. Junior Rough Stock Association. Welcome to the NFR Extra Podcast, Lacey. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. You play a pretty big part in our Junior World Finals, and that would be only fitting to get you on the show and talk about Rough Stock. Perfect. It's always exciting. The Rough Stock Inn seems to bring a huge attraction down there for you guys. Yes. Uh, it yeah, it does. Just a little bit. I mean, you know, we were talking to Leals about uh, bull riding, and yeah, I mean, whenever you... Whenever you bring giant, big animals together and you put little tiny human beings on them, I'm pretty sure that's going to draw a crowd. <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> so, it's kind of fun to see who has the most attitude, the stalker, the kids. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's funny you bring that up. I remember this this probably, man, uh, no, it was this last, uh, this, this last World Finals. It was, um, there was a uh, young man, he had, um, I don't know, he just didn't have a good, whatever happened with the ride. And he was coming. He was jacked up. I mean, man, it was like, dude, you need to go lay down. You just look like you should not be getting back on anything uh, again right now. And as he's walking off, he's like, "You want the re-ride? And he's just like, just shugged it off like an old man. He's like, "Good." And, you know, he just put his hand up, didn't even look at the judge or anything like that, and just walked out. Um, like, man, that's like an like a like an older man would do that. You know, the way he did it, like he'd been doing this a while. Um, yeah. But that's the fascinating part. Of it. But hey, re- regardless. Let's talk about uh, 2019. How how did everything go for you? How did it? Uh, you know, let's talk about. Give us some of your your champions and s- some of the dollars that they won. Can you just give us like a nice little lacy recap on the rough stock side of Junior World Finals? Absolutely. I think last year was one of our most exciting years we've had to date. We were able to really start 
you know, pulling things together, doing welcoming ceremonies for the kids. We had Braxton Nielsen that came and just did one of the most amazing speeches to kind of get the kids pumped up, but also let them know and remind them, you know, that they are in the rodeo environment. So, I mean, starting from the check-in all the way to their pre-thing, you know, it just went amazing. We paid out over $60,000 to the kids. We had around anywhere between 15 to 30 kids in each of the age groups based on the age. I mean, there was kids walking away with four or $5,000. I mean, our all-around champion, gosh, he was so excited. He won this gigantic, you know, practice bucking machine, and he's from Iowa. He was our all-around high point earner, and he was just like, I don't care. I don't, I'm going to find a way to get this home. And <laughs> not only that, <laughs> it was just, and his, all of a sudden they're tromping through the convention center with this big machine, just like he wanted to get it in the trailer as fast as he could. It was pretty neat to see that. Yeah. You know, we had a really cool thing happen this year as well. We had a little gentleman in the, he was in bareback saddle bronc and bulls. His name was Brant Cookston. Believe it or not, he was actually one of the winners. He was the actual champion for the all around. I think a lot of people were like, hey, it's probably going to come from a timed event side. You know, there's kids that are more all around. But first and second place this year at, for the actual all around for the junior world finals happened to be little rough stock cowboys. Just like the NFR. Exactly. It was really exciting to see. And that second, the champ, the second place champion, he was actually from Australia. So last year was the first year that we opened up our level of riding to foreign countries other than Canada. And it was really cool. We had a couple kids come over from Australia. So it was really neat to see one of the all around champions, you know, second place overall coming from Australia. Just shows that this sport is really branching out, and those numbers are just growing. Last year, we had about 170 kids. The year before, we had 160 competitors, and just the bareback and saddle bronc riding alone. So those numbers for the future rodeo are great. You know, we kind of go with the motto that we're filling the shoots of the future, um, trying to bring these kids up in a stepping stone approach, you know, all the way up from the peewees, which it started at six on the little minis, kind of a cuteness factor, but you know, can get a little wild and Western from time to time all the way up to the kids that are kind of starting to enter the high school and, you know, kids that are wanting to start that aren't ready to go into the amateurs, you know, they kind of have a tendency to, you know, really take advantage of this program and have an opportunity to compete and go to the next level. And you guys provide such a great experience for these guys to be on such a stage. It's, it's unbelievable to see what, you know, the excitement that these kids have when they come to Vegas. I, that, I mean, that's all Bo and his team, right? I mean, we help promote this thing, but Bo and his team, they do a hell of a job, you know, uh, stay in front of y'all. Cause you guys are, no, you, know, you, you guys are, I mean, you guys are busy. There's a lot of things going on with all the events that come into the general finals and, yeah, no, it's it's important. But, you know, there's something that there's also a reason, right, attached to the rough stock. I mean, wasn't there some worry at some point that just a lot of lot of uh, cowboys weren't getting on rough stock? I mean, is that kind of what was happening for a little bit? Uh, you know, I have to say that, you know, the amateur and the PRC associations are still somewhat kind of seeing that. But with this next group of kids coming up, I think that – the bareback and saddle, well, the bareback riding's been in Vegas for five years, really promoting this junior competition of bareback riding from Las Vegas events. So primarily the event that was really hurting was the bareback riding. Mm. Saddle bronc riding's always kind of plugged along a little bit and done okay. But when Bo and his team decided to bring bareback riding to Las Vegas for these kids five years ago, since then we've been able to see a trend where, you know, in the next few years, I don't think these amateur associations and the PRC is going to have as much to worry about because of these, you know, little associations really promoting the kids, help building them upright. 
starting at them a young age. So they're getting the confidence of, you know, one nodding their head to open the shoot gate. That's a huge thing. <laughs> and another thing is, is it's also putting them on age of like size appropriate stock. So we're not killing these kids off with young colts or stock that they're not quite ready for. The kids are getting to grow, you know, with the stock, I guess you could say. And that's really making the kids feel a lot more comfortable. Um, we've gotten so much feedback in the last couple of years that this year we're even having a rookie division. You know, it's kind of for those kids that are just getting started. Very similar to like the PRCA permit holders. These kids can come in as rookies, you know, fill their kind of their rookie time in there until they're comfortable and they can get signed off before they start entering events. And that's really going to help build it and almost, you know, build the it's going to promote the numbers huge in the future. Yeah. So how do you, um, I mean, this is just kind of folks on the, you know, NFR as well, you know, there's stock and obviously there's a way about going on. We actually had Kirsten Vold on uh, last summer and man, it was fascinating just talking about stock and how she chose or not. She just had the company chose, um, you know, who goes where and, and knowing the level of comp, you know, level of, of these athletes that were getting on the stock or the rough stock. How do you go about, um, how do you go about choosing the, the rough stock here? I mean, how does that go? Is it very similar to what the, 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 the big, the big boys and gals do or pin A and pin B? Yeah. Yeah, it, we do. We actually have several different pins. So our age groups, you know, just to get, keep the association started, we have, you know, six to nine, 10 to 11, 12 to 14, and then 15 to 18 year olds. So within that, each of those age groups actually has, you know, its own set standard of stock. You know, the little guys are riding the minis, the juniors are riding like Shetlands. Then our seniors are kind of more of a quarter pony cross. And then once they get into the high school, they're getting on, you know, more judge. The horses are judged rather on size. They're based more on ability level. So throughout each of our regions, so we function a lot like the NF, you know, to get to the NFR, they have their the circuit finals. We function a lot like that. So we'll have our 10 different regions. And we have multiple contractors within each region. They'll host their own separate rodeos and or series. And then those kids will actually qualify out of those regions to Vegas. We use that same approach for the stock too, because if you can imagine, if you have a, you know, just use a midline number of 170 kids down there. Last year, we bucked out about 96 head of bucking horses a day, which is unreal when you take into consideration, even over at Thomas and Mac between bareback and saddle bronc, you know, there's 15 cowboys in each. They're only doing 30. We're doing over almost a hundred a day. (laughs) It's an intense amount of numbers. In order to cater to the different age groups, you know, we had over 300 head of stock down there just in the miniature buck and ponies. Wow. So it takes a lot to put that together. And, you know, just like the big guys, we bring stock in from every region. You know, if contractors want to submit their videos, we review them, try to keep the horses, you know, in those guidelines. And we allow anybody that's been providing stock all season for us to bring stock to Vegas. Now, do we, I mean, we brought this up while we were talking to Lil's talking about names. Uh, is there, you know, uh, Painted Valley, things like that. Is there, is there any, yeah, right. Is there the any names? Horse names? Yeah, horse names. We got, do, do you have any? I mean, is there something that, you know, the guys, uh, uh, our, our, our announcers, Mr. Godert and, and Siler, you know, obviously they're great announcers. Do you have those kind of names that help out this announcing and just add more to the overall environment going on there? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have horses that kind of go along with the kids' names. We'll have like Spring Break or you'll have a nice. horse name. I don't know if you guys remember when that trend going around the internet with that girl saying like, cash me outside. How about that? Oh, yep. man. We have, we have a horse named cash me outside. And then we have another horse named how about that? We try to line them up so they come out of the shoes, you know, to try and make it. that catchy. Um, but then we have little tiny horses, you know, that'll come out with just big macho names, you know, <laughs> that makes it like we'll have the Hulk in that little horse will come up and then it's not much, you know, 40 inches tall. So people truly, I think a lot of the people that come to watch it, they granted, they love seeing the up and coming talent. And believe me, those kids are very talented. But I think a lot of the people come for the horse events because they really like seeing those little rotten ponies. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I do love to watch some ponies. I am not allowed to have one, though. Oh, well, if you ever need a hookup, you can always come up and visit us because we've got oh, plenty of I'm them sure for you. I'm sure my daughter would love a pony. Jeez. They're um, really not that nice. She's she right. They're rotten. Daddy, can we paint it the color rainbow? No, we cannot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, how, you've been in this for a little while. So how, how have you seen this kind of grow, this evolve where are you seeing a difference in even the young athletes that are a part of this and kind of how they're evolving? Are you seeing an evolution here, Lacey? Well, absolutely. So if we look at it, we were just doing some statistics this year while we were down in Vegas. There was a horse um, that a kid won. I think it was Cooper Cook won the finals on five years ago by the name of, I forget the name of the horse, but he rode that horse when he was, I think, 13 and won the finals. And then that horse, you know, these kids have matured so much in the last five years, that horse is now down in the peewees. So the kids that are nine and under are riding that horse. So that shows a huge trend of progression when a 13-year-old won the finals on that horse five years ago. And now that horse with that same ability is still bucking and the kids that are under the age of nine are now riding it. So that's why we've chose to put that rookie division in there because these kids are progressing so fast and their talent is just amazing. We have to have a, we almost had to bring a beginner level in to keep the even younger cowboys going and the new kids. So that's one thing. And another really cool statistic that we had last year, um, it would have been for the 2018 finals. We've, we have, Joe and I've been doing this up in Montana for a lot of years. I mean, Joe's oldest son is Cody. He's been riding ponies since he's two and I won't tell his age, but I can say he's going to be over 40 now. Mm. <laughs> um, so he's been riding ponies that long. And, you know, just to see, you know, kids from doing it at that to the amount of kids doing now is impressive. But one of the coolest statistics we had was up in Montana from the 2018 junior world finals. We had kids coming out of Montana, you know, each high school rodeo, they, you know, take the top four from each state in the events. And of the top four coming out of Montana to go to the high school nationals last year, three of the four of them kind of went, grew up through this program and competed and placed in the top, you know, some of them placed in the top five as freshmen at wow. the national high school finals. So if that's not showing some proof that this is doing something, I don't know what is. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, is that I got to imagine that there's a lot of, I mean, this is, you know, I got, I got kids and there's always other, there's always like a one or two kids that are just tough, man, and athletic and, and I could imagine that they may need more challenges, right? So the more that we keep growing this thing, it just allows for, you know, I'm just going to make it up. A 10-year-old to go, ah, baseball, no. It's like, I want to ride that horse that jumps up and down and, like, just looks hard as heck to stay on. And, you know, I like, I could see that happen, even keep on going because, I mean, rodeo's been around forever, you know, in sports. You know, baseball's been around forever. So it's... It, 
and now everything's getting reinvented and, and you know, like uh, combat, right? Hand-to-hand combat. When you think about UFC, right? This is something that I've had this conversation before where when you think about UFC and you go back, I mean, fighting has been something, a part of human history forever. Go back to Rome, things like that. But then it died off. And then, you know, boxing kind of came about in the 20th century. But now look at UFC. So now you look at fighting has become very popular. Well, that doesn't mean that all these other sports are exempt from that either. I mean, just like rodeo is something that I think a lot of people were worried about at one point when, you know, maybe the numbers were dipping, you know, a lot of people weren't getting their permits, et cetera, et cetera. Now, because the internet, right? I mean, I, well, hey, I watched the entire Junior Wolf Finals uh, from a stream uh, all 10 days during the NFR. So, I mean, you know, now we're seeing these things and kids are getting access to that. It's just, it's fascinating I, to, th- to think that, you know, you get to be a part of that, Lacey. That's pretty cool. Oh, it's amazing. One Another cool statistic that we kind of did some research on last year. Over We have over 400 kids that are riding just the bareback and saddle bronc, you know, worldwide now. And about 25% of those kids are actually farm and ranch kids. So that shows you about 75% of these kids will get, I had a call from a dad today from Texas. He's like, Hey, we're in the horses. Um, We live in town. He goes, my kid's tough, but we're urban. We're, you know, we're city folks. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? You meet a huge part of the demographic, but what has had made us do as stock contractors and producers We've had to reinvent the wheel somewhat because we're finding ourselves where we're actually training a lot of parents, you know, what they need to be prepared for so they can prepare their kids. So that has been a challenge because, you know, every sport has parents and that can be, you know, the kids are great. Sometimes the parents are tough, but once you get them trained and they have an understanding about it, they have a whole new outlook and appreciation of it. And, you know, we're not only gaining a kid as a contestant, but we're also gaining an entire family as a supporter and a promoter of rodeo, which I think that's just an amazing thing. Yeah, that's, we, we've had that happen in our community. It's called hockey. Um, you know, we didn't have the golden Knights four years ago. Vegas Nobody born. knew about it. Now you have dads playing in hockey leagues that go and then go to their son's league. And I mean, right? it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, and I could see rodeo. This is the same kind of thing that's kind of evolving. I mean, it really is. And that's how you get everyone on board is through the youth, right? I mean, is that once the oh, youth absolutely. comes, everybody's I mean, in just look as it's turning now i mean there's so many different groups that have been around for years big associations that are now wanting to piggyback on what's going on in those 10 days of the junior world finals yeah you know we had some really good conversations uh during so we were going daily with the podcast uh during the 2019 Wrangler national finals rodeo and you know we had guys like uh uh clint johnson on and, and brett germanson and you know and amongst many others, and and a lot of saddle guys and bareback, um, but the 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 cool conversations was night number one was these guys' demeanors. Man, they were like the most low key, um, just you know patient kind of guys, right? But learned a lot about the business. But it, could you give a little bit of the other thing is that we we like to educate on this show, you know, people that are listening. If we get new people coming on and maybe as to your point, the urban or something like that, but yet they're, they're fascinated by the rodeo. We like to teach them something. Can you give them a little difference of the, the difference between saddle and bareback and like, and kind of the discipline of that? Absolutely. There's, I mean, a lot of people think that they're real similar because 
you know, they're both riding a bucking horse, but actually they're a really different. And for kids, that's why it's really unique to see these young kids be able to do all around between the bareback and saddle bronc riding. Because in the bareback riding, you know, they're riding with, it's like a suitcase and suitcase handle. Um, and they're holding on with one hand. They have a specially designed glove that, you know, kind of helps keep them in. And they're laying back more in, when they're spurring. And the saddle bronc riding, they're actually riding a saddle, but it's not like a traditional saddle. It does not have a horn or anything on it, and it's got real loose stirrups. So they're riding a the bronc saddle, but they're also, the horse has a halter on it, and it has a rein. So they're total different techniques. You know, the bareback riders are sliding up on their bareback rigging a lot more, you know, I guess you could say similar to sliding up on a bull rope, a lot different. And these saddle bronc riders are actually riding you know, with a rein and hanging on and just the position of sitting and everything is, it's a lot different. So these young cowboys, they're able to pick up the skill of both. They are very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. They're I, both riding for the same amount of times. Yep. You know, the judges score them very similar. You know, they can have, you know, they both have to mark them out based on the age groups. Um, you know, the different thing on judging with saddle bronc riding, you know, if they blow a stirrup, uh, they're usually out. Um, so there's there's a lot of similarities as far as the judging technique, but when it comes to writing, they're they're night and day. Well, uh, yeah, and you know uh, we so Germanson, all these guys actually gave us these lessons. So, so we were in a uh, trailer. I don't know if you saw us, but we were in a trailer over by the Rody Houston live stage. And you know, at one point, both Germanson and Clint get up. They're kind of showing this whole motion thing more on the Saddlebrank side. And the only thing I could think of when I'm watching them on the Saddlebrank was I watched Saddlebrank. I mean, it looks smooth. Everything in rodeo looks hard to me, but it looks smooth compared to when I watch bareback. When I look at bareback, ooh, man. I have to say, you know, coming from a family that had been bull riding and saddle bronc riding for the most part, I really think that bareback riding is probably the hardest event on a rodeo cowboy. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, bulls, but no, those those Mm. bareback riders, they are taking a beating. Um, The saddle bronc riding, I can tell you, is probably, in my eyes, one of the the most fascinating events to watch, you know, just the class of it. But if you put together a right bareback ride, it can be super exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks so, and I, I use this word kind of weirdly, but violent, like just the, 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 just the nature of it is just so back and back and back. I mean, like just, and holding on for dear life. And, you know, yeah. you, you, there's so much, the core, right? Your core That's is so core. important at that point. Um, that, but I can tell you, you know, you think you watch that and you do. I mean, they do, you know, the Cowboys, they take a pounding, but yeah. you go ask any of these young kids riding. I have two of them in my own house. They're only six and 11 is all they want to do. Yeah. We go practice bareback riding. And I'm like, what about your Bronx and your Bulls? I just want to ride bareback. <laughs> so it's pretty neat to, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can see that as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I could see as a kid, like uh, bareback would probably be awesome, right? It's like, oh my God, it looks like a roller coaster ride, you know? Yeah. Um, or you got to be all disciplined on the, on the, on the saddle side. You got to, you got to have all your, uh, your, your, your 10, your twos and your threes and the crossing and your X's and your X's and everything, <laughs> everything's got to line up. Otherwise, uh, you're going head over or back or something just ain't going to go down well for you. <laughs> yeah. I think in, in actually, and as far as being in control, I think you better be in more control on a bareback horse cause you can get yourself yes. in and down pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's just an exciting thing to see. And just to have these this many kids, I mean, at first, when it first got started, there was a lot of dads and moms, hey, we want our kids to do that. But, you know, it's gotten over the past few years where you go to these rodeos and you do not 
even know the intensity of these kids. They're so excited to find out their draw. We were actually at a rodeo down in Cave Creek, Arizona, not long ago, and this little boy comes up to me, and we're pretty busy getting horses in the chutes, and I think he was about six, and I was getting the flanks ready, and this little boy came up, can you tell me what I got? And I'm like, honey, the draw's posted over on the, you know, over on the side of the chutes, and there was another gentleman, a PRCA cowboy, he's like, where's the draw? And they said, well, here's the little guy's draw, and he goes, but mister, I can't read. Can you tell me what I got? <laughs> so we've got these. We're not only teaching them to ride bucking horses, but we're trying to help them read at the same time. I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, so what? Let's do this before we we end this conversation. What do you have going on for December? What like purse wise contestants? What do you have going on? And uh, at the end of that, tell them where they can find you, how to get a hold of you, in case they're interested. Well, there's two different places they can get a hold of us. One is at the NFR Experience webpage. They can go on to the Junior World Finals link. We always like people to go through there so they know what you, everything Bo and his whole crew has going on. Another place that they can go to find all the membership forms and up-and-coming rodeos for all 10 regions and our national tour is juniorroughstockworld.com. We have our rule book, you know, membership forms, and all of our schedules are usually up-to-date on there, and as soon as a new rodeo is added. We put it up there. Um, we are in the process of updating that, and it will be po- all new schedules will be posted by the 18th. But for this coming year in Vegas, it's going to be a super exciting one, um, all the way from check-in to our award ceremony. There's a lot of uh, new things happening. Uh, the kids are going to have a new orientation this year, kind of a mini clinic ahead of time when they do their gear check-in. So these PRCA Cowboys are you know, retired PRCA Cowboys will be in there giving them their best advice. And we're looking at our purse being probably close to $60,000, $70,000 again this year. We do base that based on entries plus the added money, which I know Las Vegas events has been great at helping, you know, provide extra added money nice. for each of the kids each year. Because all of those sales from the tickets for everybody that's sitting in those stands and the supporters of rodeo, that money goes right back to the kids. So that's a huge shout out to Las Vegas events for making that happen. Yeah. Uh, that's Bo and the team. That's, Thank you. <laughs> we help promote, but man, that's that's Bo and his team. You know, the, the Brylan and Rebecca, they work hard. This is a, it's an Thank all you. year uh, endeavor. It is. It's a great group that they put together down there. And it seems like everybody's, you know, just, I think it'll be our fourth year down there. So it's, everything's really just keeps clicking and getting better for these kids every year. Nice. Well, Lacey, this was fantastic. I mean, this is once again, great conversation. Learned a few things. This is awesome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, good luck with the season. And, uh, yeah, safe travels and see you in December. Travel safe. All right, sounds great. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Okay. You too. That's a wrap for NFR Extra Episode 45. I want to give a big thank you to three-time Wrangler NFR qualifier Brody Cress and Lacey Demers from the Junior Roughstock World Finals. And coming up on NFR Extra episode 46, we talk to four-time regular NFR qualifier, bell racer Stevie Hillman, and ambidextrous pro bull rider Trevor Reese. For more information regarding the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, visit nfrexperience.com and follow Las Vegas NFR on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Gotta make it up to bed
cap 